Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, and I'm so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is a little different. This week, it's all about my midlife perspective on dealing with parental loss at a young age. So today we're talking specifically about part of my personal story. My story is about outliving both of my birth parents because they each died separately, but at a young age. I also share five observations and perspective about this unusual situation that was and is my life. It's a crazy one, and you know, you can't really make this stuff up. Now, today's episode is a little different than most episodes. Uh, So if this is your first time listening to the Women in the Middle podcast, I want to welcome you. Of course, I'm so glad you're here. But I also wanted to let you know that this isn't a typical episode. I don't usually talk about my parents dying when I was a kid. So (laughs) you might want to listen to a few other episodes. They're usually very upbeat and we laugh a lot. (laughs) So anyway, before we dive in. This episode is sponsored by another part of my life story, an amazingly fulfilling highlight of my second career, my ability as a life coach to create an amazing experience for you women in the middle, and it's called the 50 Unplugged Mastermind, your one-stop coaching experience to get unstuck and get excited about your life again. And that's really the biggest highlight from my second career. (laughs) So here's the thing. Maybe you've been in your job way too long and are miserable. Or maybe you're trying to be all proud of your kids going to college and having their own lives, but you're freaking out a little bit because you really have no clue about what you want to do now. There are so many reasons to get stuck in midlife and life's just too short to waste time like this. So if you're ready to go from feeling frustrated and stuck to feeling giddy about all that's possible, and yes, I said giddy about all that's possible for you in your future. Don't waste another second. Go to www.talktosusie.com, book your kickstart call, and apply to the 50 Unplugged Mastermind. It's a free call to see if we're a good fit so we can get you going. And there's an amazing retreat coming up in Toronto in July that's included in the Mastermind. So I want to get you in on that excitement too. So please do that. Now let's get going. And I have to say, I had a lot of difficulty when I blogged about this topic a few years ago. It was just so personal and sharing in the digital world seemed so exposed and I felt so vulnerable. So I got some coaching and I decided that it was a good idea to do because it will help people. So what I've really learned now that I've been coaching for over six years is how important it is to share and that you're never alone, no matter how much you feel alone, even in midlife. There are other people experiencing what you're experiencing. So if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you may have gleaned already that my parents died when I was a kid. It's come up a few times here and there, 
in several of the episodes, but I've never really gone into the details. Like I said, I thought it was important because now, as a 55-year-old woman in the middle, I've learned a few things that I think will be helpful to you, but it is my story. With that said, I don't know the exact stats, right? But it feels like outliving your parents isn't normal for most people in midlife. <laughs> I, I really don't think it's the norm. So think about it. I don't know that you know that many people in this situation. Of course, there are some. It's one thing if everyone lives to a ripe old age, but quite another when your parents die young. Sometimes life just doesn't go the way it's supposed to go. And I know that you can probably relate to that. We like to think that the normal order of things in life is that parents die before the kids, but not when the kids are kids. When they're old, like elderly, right? (laughs) I got the life's not fair memo long ago, loud and clear. I thought what most people think about the order of things in life. You might not even know you think this, you just assume it. When it comes to families, parents are supposed to live a long time so they can raise their children who are also supposed to live a long time, at least that's what usually happens on sitcoms. The idyllic sitcom-friendly life didn't happen for me, and you know what? I I bet it didn't happen for you either. For me, it was far from it. Both of my parents died when I was a kid. Now, I am actually recording this episode on my father's birthday. He would have been 84 today, which is really crazy to think about because I just can't even imagine him that age, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. So let's go way back. Uh, Things got rough for me when I was quite young. I was five when my mother died at 32 years old. She was a stay-at-home mom with two young kids and lived far away from her family, like halfway across the country. Now, she had filed for divorce from my father, and was struggling to hold it all together. She was in the middle of what used to be called a nervous breakdown and passed from choking um, during an accidental drug interaction. So, as I said, I was very young, only five years old. I happened to be in the bathroom with her when it happened, brushing my teeth. I ran out of the apartment to get help from the landlord I was screaming that my mommy had fainted. And can you imagine this, like a five-year-old running around outside like that? The year was 1968. Things were very different then, right? I wanted to give you some context. Now, I don't have a lot more memories from those early years. Only a handful, like maybe not even a handful. (laughs) And I certainly don't remember much from this specific time. It is very much a blur. My father remarried and I was step-adopted by my stepmother. I talked about this in episode 82 of the Women in the Middle podcast called Midlife Reflections on Adoption and Assisted Reproduction with Dr. Michael Grand. It was a really interesting episode. Um, The whole step-adoption thing is a thing, and not many people even know what to call it. So I digress, but I just wanted Uh, to make sure that you knew that there is a whole episode on it if it's of interest. So, um, like I said, my father remarried and life seemed pretty normal there for a few years in, you know, from my kid perspective. Um, I was part of a busy, fun family, right? That's what I thought. 
I did well in school. I played saxophone. I loved roller skating. I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of interests. One of my interests was related to dogs. My family bred St. Bernard's, and we were doing the whole dog show thing. And my dad taught me how to show in the puppy class, and I loved it. I loved that we did something together like that. So can you imagine, like I'm short now, I was very little (laughs) back then. I don't even know. I must have been 10, 11, 12, something like that. And even St. Bernard puppies are not small, right? They were pretty big. Uh, Anyway, it was a very interesting, busy time. And my uh, recollection is I was pretty well adjusted. I did lots of things and I was happy. I really was. Of course, there was sadness around what happened. And my grandparents, my birth mother's parents were alive and my birth mother had two sisters. And so there was that sadness. It just wasn't comfortable talking in an open way. Overall, I was definitely a happy kid. Uh, But things got bad. Uh, When I was 12, then my father died. He died by suicide. He was only 41 years old. He was a successful physician struggling with mental health issues, and he overdosed. I found out after I walked home from the bus stop that day, and a neighbor told me, I met a neighbor when I was walking from the bus stop home, the neighbor said, get home fast. That's a weird thing to say, right? (laughs) And I guess there was a lot of craziness that went on at the house that day when they discovered my father. There must have been ambulances and fire trucks. I'm sure all that was happening. I was not there then. I was just getting off the bus. It was 1976. So again, to give you some context. So family of five. And of course, this is the Reader's Digest version of what happened. That's plenty of details because it's a bummer. (laughs) Women in the Middle podcast isn't usually this much of a drag. Anyway, there are many more details and decades of pain from both tragedies, as you can imagine. As you can see, both deaths were shocking, right? Extremely unexpected. So when I ever go to a new doctor and I have to write down my family history and, you know, people see that there were two early deaths, the assumption is always that there was an illness of some sort and that I might be at risk because of that illness. And in this case, it's not like that at all. Um, It's just shocking, unexpected deaths. Of course, mental illness is an illness. And even now, decades after these two traumatic events, I sometimes find myself thinking that I can't believe that this happened to me, that this is really my life. But it did, and it is, and you know what? I thrived anyway. And I have to say, I love my life. I'm for real. (laughs) I really love my life. And I've learned to accept the past as the past, and I live in the present. It doesn't mean I forget the past. I know the past is there. It's kind of hard to forget it, but I live in the present. I have a wonderful husband. I have three amazing kids or young adults, whatever we call them these days. And you know what? I don't think that was luck either. I've worked hard to make sure I provided a a stable life for my family. Emphasis on the word stable. 
my life was many things, but I don't know that I would say it was stable. You know, there were lots to my life that were stable. And one of the things my my mom did, my, my stepmother did, was provide a stable home. And, you know, she made sure that we didn't lose that house. And that house, having the same house to grow up in, definitely had an effect on, um, you know, stability. Not to, sorry, I'm not more uh, creative with the terminology, but stability. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I had my share of shit. Share of shit is kind of fun to say. I had my share of shit, but I've been quite fortunate too. And like I mentioned, I was step adopted after my father remarried. So while I was eventually technically orphaned, I always had a mom. I always had family structure. I had sisters. I had three sets of grandparents and there was a lot of love. For some reason, I have resilience. And there's a quote that I relate to by Joshua Graham, and it goes like this, I survived because the fire inside me burned brighter than the fire around me. And you know what? This is me. And now as a 55-year-old midlife mom with some wrinkles and some chin hair, I am extremely aware that I have outlived both my parents in a couple of ways. And, you know, you'll see what I mean. Of course, I'm aware that this is my life, but there's just some things I think about. First of all, they both died young while I was a kid. So I grew up without them. But I've also been on this planet 23 years longer than my mother and 14 years longer than my father. You see what I mean? All of their children from the two marriages have now also outlived them. That means something. I have outlived my parents. That has shaped my worldview for sure. The other thing is that I've always sensed that my life perspective is a little different as a result of all of this. How could it not be, right? I have to say it's super useful as a midlife coach. When I say life is short, nobody argues with me. (laughs) I know what I'm talking about. But seriously, as a midlife coach, Life is short is a relevant message, and it's very important to consider as we waste a lot of time being stuck and confused and not doing what we really want to do, what we're meant to do, what's important to us, usually out of fear, right? But anyway, life is short is relevant. So now, with decades to think about all of this and gain some perspective, uh, here are five observations that have helped me cope and understand what outliving my parents has meant to me. And you know what? It meant to me and for me. And this is why I'm doing this podcast, not to just blab on about my story, um, but because I think the perspectives are important to share. So here we go. Number one. You can actively choose how you want to think and feel about things that you can't change. Now, I've decided I want to live a peaceful life full of hope and excitement about the future. That's really what I want. And I also know, and you know, that thoughts create feelings. So really think about what that means. I know that I can choose to feel this way. I can choose to feel peace. I can choose to feel excitement. I can choose to feel hope. 
thoughts create feelings. Now, my life's work is to understand what thoughts I need to think to create those feelings. And that's yours too. With regard to my parents' deaths, I never really went through an angry phase of acting out. I don't know why, uh, but I didn't. Even as a kid, I never blamed myself and I always had a sense of compassion. I didn't even blame them. Like I didn't even have that anger. And I don't really understand this, but I didn't. And I'm very aware that I didn't. This compassion was the main feeling. I understood that my parents didn't get the help they needed. Their deaths had nothing to do with their love for their family or their love for me. I really, really believe that. The thought my parents loved me gives me peace. The thought they didn't get the help they needed gives me compassion. Now, you know, when I played with that thought, I'm like, well, it just makes me angry about, you know, stigma and about the mental health system and about all of that. But for some reason, when I think that thought, that's not really where I go. It just, I feel compassionate. Like when somebody doesn't get the help they they need, I just, I feel compassionate. There are definitely, this is why you have to play with these thoughts because some thoughts, like the thought that works for me might not be the thought that works for you. Thoughts create feelings. So your job is to figure out the thought that creates the feeling that you want to feel intentionally. But I believe that their deaths had nothing to do with their love for their family or their love for me. It's so empowering to know that you don't have to be a victim to your feelings. You can be much more intentional. You can decide what you're going to make your past mean in your life going forward. And this concept is extremely useful to me. It really is. And it has been. It continues to be. Number two, it's impossible for me to imagine my parents as the age they would be now. Now, you're probably thinking, well, come on, you must know older people. It's like that. (laughs) But what's the deal with the parents dying so young is that they are forever young in my mind and heart, right? So I don't have pictures from any other age. I have pictures from when I knew them. Of course, there are some pictures kicking around from when they were younger, but that small slice of time when I knew them That's how old they are to me. That's what they look like. And aging them with technology or anything like that, it's not relevant. It's just not relevant. Now, I do find myself paying particular attention to older people, the people that I know, and I do compare them to who I think my parents might have turned out to be a little bit, but I just don't really even feel like I'm capable of that. It's more a curiosity. One thing I did do, though, I reached out to their friends from childhood and university to get more of a glimpse into who, you know, what they were like, who they were when they were just young and healthy. And I was I I found people. I found uh, a childhood friend of my mother's that my auntie hooked me up with. And she sent me some pictures from my mother's childhood and wrote me about her memories. It was beautiful. And then with my father, (laughs) I went to his university um, 
alumni page, and I was able to communicate with the class secretary or president or somebody. And I asked this old man who was in his 70s, I think, at the time. I did it about, I think, 15 years ago. Um, Wait, if my father's 84, I think I did it about 15 years ago. And I asked him to put out a note with the alumni from his year to see if anybody had memories of what my dad was like in university. And you know what? I heard from three older gentlemen who had some memories. It was amazing. So I'm able to get more of a sense of who they were, but not who they might have been. And you know what? That is fine. That's fine with me. But I'm very, very aware of that as I'm observing my friends and their parents. And and now I know a lot more people who are older too. And I just think about it. So it's just something I'll never know. I will never know who they might have been, what their personalities would have been like. And I just have to accept it. And I have. But it is weird. (laughs) Like even knowing that today would have been my father's 84th birthday, it's strange to think about because it's just so unknown. Okay, number three. Now, I did mention friends, and number three is about that. I'm fascinated by the relationships my friends and family have with their parents now at their ages and stages. So I wonder what my relationship would have been like. But again, I have no clue. So it doesn't go far, but I'm just a, the tiniest bit curious. I wonder what parts of me would, be, would have been similar to them. What values would have been the same? Where would we have bumped into each other, right? On things that, did, that we didn't agree on. Would we have been close? And it's funny, I didn't think of this as often when my kids were young. I was, however, quite aware of my kids' stage of development when they were five and 12, like I was when my parents died. But those thoughts were more about trying to imagine what I was like at that age and how I would have been coping. Again, also because of raising my own kids, I have a better understanding of how much my parents influenced my development, even though I have very few memories of the early years, and I find that very comforting. But now in midlife, I think more about what kind of relationship I want to have with my adult children. So while I'm fascinated with my friends and their senior parents, and I'm just curious, what I really focus on is what kind of relationship I want to have with my adult children after I'm retired. Well, now, of course, because they're adults, I guess, in quotes. (laughs) But after I'm retired, enjoying their kids as a grandparent. Now, this I find a very useful thing to think about, like regret-proofing relationships versus spending a lot of time and energy thinking about what I don't get to have. Okay, number four, the universe provides mentors for you in all shapes, sizes, and ages. Now, this is a beautiful thing, the way it happens. I've been extremely fortunate and have had several men and women over the years be tremendous teachers and role models for me. I was open to developing these relationships, and thankfully, I have let these wonderful people into my heart and mind. And I have done a mentorship series in the podcast. There are a handful of episodes about uh, mentors, being a mentor, and having mentors. And I love doing this series. So professionally, I've had mentors. But in this 
uh, concept, this observation now, I'm talking about the professional ones and also the personal ones. And what's so important here is that I open myself up to it, right? And it's funny about mentors because you often have no clue what you're looking for, right? You don't even know you're looking for a mentor. And even once the relationship is developing, you don't often really have the perspective about the importance of the relationship. But eventually you do. And it is awesome. Okay, number five. Life's not always fair and bad things happen to good people. I see that growing up knowing this firsthand is different than the way many people grow up. It has affected me for sure. I know that most people don't think this way until some shit goes down, right? (laughs) Jeez. So it has affected me for sure, and I'm definitely risk averse. Now, don't get my kids started on this point because they make fun of me all the time. I have a need to control a fair bit of my environment. Um, I'm not controlling, but they do call me the safety queen. I am always thinking about safety and what can be prevented from obvious problems, shenanigans, run-ins, mistakes, right? Now, another thing has been some anxiety. Over the years, I've learned to manage it way better, like it's not even recognizable now uh, to what it was. And the thought work that we study here in the podcast has been amazing for helping with anxiety. Now, I go to the worst case scenario in about two seconds flat. So that's been something that is related to growing up like this. So now I know that if I get a pit in my stomach, that is coming from a feeling and the feeling is coming from a thought. And it's very quick. So once I identify it, I'm able to recognize the thought I'm thinking that's creating that horrible feeling I'm feeling and I can work on it. And I decide, how do I want to feel? I want to feel confident. I want to feel um, calm. And then I work on thoughts to create those feelings. So I've gotten so much better um, with that. And I know a lot of my clients have too. Now, on the other hand, I've also learned that life can be a bit of a crapshoot. It really is something to have grown up not thinking that life is fair. And I see that expecting fair can create a lot of pain when those unfair curveballs are thrown your way. When you think life should be fair, you're kind of arguing with reality. And I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't think that. I'm just suggesting that notice what thinking that creates for you. And if it's pain, you can think something else. You can tweak your thought. You can make choices. And in my case, I'm not saying that what happened to me wasn't horrible. It was horrible. I just don't choose to think that, right? So I'm not saying that I shouldn't think it. I'm just saying that when I think it, it's not useful. So I make an effort to think something else. Thoughts create feelings and you get to decide if it's useful for you or not. So I try not to focus on things being good or bad, I like to think, is it useful, right? Is it useful? Because thoughts are optional. And that is a beautiful thing. Thoughts are optional. So there you have it, my friend. 
my unique perspective on life having grown up outliving my parents. So I have a question for you. A couple of questions, actually. What will all of this mean to you in your life? What can you take from my experience that will help you with yours? What came up for you as I shared my story? I know my story is personal and unusual and, you know, may not have anything to do with you in terms of your own parents, right? But it doesn't matter. There's still so much that you can take from this type of a story. So what can you do to regret-proof your life? Are you thinking about your relationship with your parents, other people that you love? Maybe a different way to think about your past or what options you have to tweak your story. Maybe even how cool podcasts are that we can connect in such a personal way and not even know each other or be in the same room. Anyway, how you apply this in your own life, it's quite a personal thing, just as my story is so personal. But the amazing thing is that I have a feeling it got you thinking, and thinking, my friend, is a very good thing. That's it for this episode. My focus as a midlife coach is to help you get excited about your life again, even now at your age. That means you have to get better at thinking on purpose, supervising your brain, helping yourself create the results and outcomes, the life that you really want. It's up to you. And I'm all about regret-proofing in all areas of your life. Thinking about regret-proofing can be so useful, even if you had a rocky start like I did. Perspective of your thinking can be such a game changer. Now, I found that when you focus on helping others and making gratitude part of your life, that's also super helpful. (laughs) But being aware of what's going on in that beautiful midlife mind of yours is a step in the right direction. So I am so excited to hear about what you do with all of this helpful info. Make sure you send me an email at info at susierosenstein.com. Click on the show notes with more information and links at www.susierosenstein.com. Also remember to check out my free Facebook group, The Women in the Middle Community at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash women in the middle community. It's for women just like you. And finally, if you like the concept of this podcast, Women in the Middle, and you like what you've heard on today's episode, maybe my story resonated with you, just head over to the Women in the Middle podcast on iTunes and leave me a review, which of course is greatly appreciated. Let's do this, ladies, one bold, brave, and resilient thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening and for coming back and supporting the Women in the Middle podcast. You're amazing. And you know what? It's because of you that I felt open and comfortable enough to share this story. So thank you so much. Mm